Happy Friday, Story Fam. Thank you for tuning in to today's Friday Grace and Truth. You know, on a daily basis, as we stumble together through this frightening and frustrating year, I find myself engaging in the most interesting conversations with, well, myself. <laughs> it's an ongoing dialogue between two irreconcilable opinions, pity versus positivity. Some days, pity is the louder voice in my head, and it reminds me that things are bad and they're only getting worse. Pity's agenda is to demoralize and antagonize me by amplifying every single bad thing that I see and hear in the world. If I'm hopeless, I'm powerless, and I'm fairly certain that's the way pity wants me to be. But pity isn't the only voice in my head, thank God. Although I admit that lately the second voice seems more distant. Positivity tells me that pity is wrong. And what we're going through now is just a little mid-flight turbulence. That voice reminds me that once we have a vaccine and once this election is behind us, things will go back to normal, the economy will be revived, and we'll all look back and laugh. <laughs> I like it when positivity speaks up. But I also recognize that listening only to this voice would be akin to slow dancing in a burning room or playing the violin as the Titanic sinks into the sea. So I'm grateful that I have both these voices in my head. However, I do confess that most days I'm altogether uncertain about how I should be feeling, which voice I should be hearing at a time like this. Like a boxer who's taken one too many uppercuts, my perception feels fractured. And right now I'm seeing double. I know I'm not alone here. Several other people have mentioned the same sense of disorientation over the past few weeks. So how do we find our balance again at a time such as this? In his book, The End of Memory, Dr. Miroslav Volf um, emphasizes the importance of remembering well, specifically for people who are experiencing or have experienced trauma. When people go through hell and back, what we tend to do is make one of two mistakes where memory is concerned. Either we move on without remembering or we misremember the trauma that we went through, usually by exaggerating the trauma or further demonizing those who traumatized us. Both of these mistakes exacerbate the negative consequences of whatever trauma we've endured. So as a way of avoiding trying to make these mistakes, I've decided to write a few paragraphs to remember. So I didn't want to just move on without remembering this year. You know, and I also didn't want to misremember this year and make it something that it wasn't. So I put pen to paper and I wrote a few paragraphs in the hopes that one day my future grandchildren will discover it and read about everything that happened in the first half of 2020 and, and laugh at grandpa. Right. So I wrote this to my future <laughs> hypothetical grandchildren. So here it goes. Dear future grandchildren, look. We were having a tough year before the virus took over. In early January, World War III was trending for a week on Twitter after an American drone eliminated the second most powerful man in Iran. The House of Representatives impeached President Trump. Australia went up in flames. The United Methodist Church announced plans to split over LGBTQ inclusion. The United Kingdom brexited the European Union and then Prince Harry and Princess Meghan mexited the United Kingdom. It was crazy. 
And later in the same month, in January, yes, we're still just in January, Iran shot down a Ukrainian commercial jet, killing all 176 people on board. The residents of Hong Kong filled their city streets to protest Chinese government oppression. Then Kobe died. A few days later, we learned more than anyone ever should have about Harvey Weinstein's habits behind closed doors. And then my beloved Houston Astros were caught and severely punished in a sign-stealing scandal involving the latest in cutting-edge video technology and, for some reason, a dugout trash can. That whole time, something called coronavirus was showing up on social media and in the news here and there, and we all thought it looked pretty bad at first, but not that bad. I heard it's not as bad as the flu, we said, so let's not overreact. It's no big deal. Okay, so, <laughs> turns out, it was a pretty big deal. As of this moment, more than 13 million people have been infected, nearly 600,000 have died, and there's no sign of this thing slowing down anytime soon. Hopefully, by the time you're reading this, a flawless vaccine has been distributed to every corner of the earth, and COVID-19 is a thing of the past. But right now, it, everything feels dystopian. City streets are mostly empty, office buildings are vacant, and more businesses are closing every day. Brooks Brothers just filed for bankruptcy, leaving Episcopalian men across America with nothing new to wear to church, which is okay because most churches haven't been able to meet in person for like 20 weeks and counting. And after spending most of our careers rolling our eyes at televangelists, every pastor across America has suddenly been forced to become one. Everybody's angry, angry about things like toilet paper and face masks. Unemployment skyrocketed to numbers not seen since the Great Depression. All the schools closed in early March, leaving parents to figure out how to work from home while also mastering the art of homeschooling. Social workers are sounding the alarms about abused kids being forced to spend more time at home where most of their abuse occurs. Things like loneliness, anxiety, depression, and suicide are all on the rise. It's been my experience that in times of great distress, people take solace in sports and entertainment, but COVID-19 took most of that away too. March Madness, the NBA, Major League Baseball, the Masters, and the Summer Olympics have all been canceled or delayed. Hollywood shut down as well, um, leaving most theaters uh, that remained open anyway to showing the greatest hits of the 1980s. The movies we've all seen a hundred times already. So instead of going to the movies, everybody's staying home and watching something called Tiger King on Netflix, which has only served to multiply our shame, frankly. We were just beginning to recover from being sucker punched by COVID-19 when we first heard George Floyd crying out for his mother as a Minneapolis police officer pressed the life out of him. Since you're reading this many years from now, you won't remember the surreal chain of events that one cop's left knee set into motion. Approximately 20 million Americans took part in peaceful protests, as well as some not-so-peaceful rioting and looting in over 2,000 cities and towns throughout the nation. More than 14,000 protesters were arrested, and at least 26 people died, along with hundreds more who were injured when some of the demonstrations turned violent. The escalation of tensions did yield some positive results as police departments all over the country are adjusting their standard operating procedures to help ensure the safety and dignity of all people. But it remains to be seen if these ends will justify the violent and divisive means or if 
maybe there will be a backlash and the war will go on. And now, well, now we're all preparing ourselves for what's next. As we look ahead to the second half of 2020, we have a presidential election to look forward to. By the time you're reading this, grandchildren, Americans will either have, in 2020, chosen a 74-year-old man who can't get off Twitter or a 77-year-old man who can't complete a sentence without a script or maybe some other crazy thing happened. I don't know. There's a chance we elected a rapper named Kanye, for which I'd like to retroactively apologize. Whatever the case, I know that election season brings out the worst in people and our emotional resources right now are already so depleted. Kids, I have no idea what's about to happen. Finally, in 2020, we've been invaded by murder hornets. And yesterday in Colorado, they diagnosed a squirrel with bubonic plague. So, my sweet grandchildren, I say this with all the love in my heart. No matter what problems you think you're dealing with, if you weren't alive in 2020, you don't get to complain about anything. Love, Grandpa. <laughs> Back in November, our worship director, Nathan Bonus, shared on a Sunday morning a message in which he explained that worship is about the work of remembering and remembering well. Worship, he said, is a time set apart to remember what God has done. Psalm 7711 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. The key to our growth and our survival through a trying time like this is not only to remember the traumatic events that we've endured, but also to remember God's faithfulness at every turn. Worship, that is where we find our balance after getting knocked around by the circumstances around us. Even though we're still not gathering in person, guys, even though we're still online only, there's nothing that can keep us from worshiping God together. It's essential, now more than ever, that we worship God together. So I hope you'll join me this Sunday and every Sunday that follows as we remember God's goodness together in worship. So friends, have a great weekend. Be sure to take time to remember what God has done. We'll see you on Sunday morning online and every Sunday morning online until this traumatic season is over. And once again, we're gathering in person. I look forward to it. Bye, everybody.